0: Monday night inside the Golden One Center, the inaugural NBA in-season tournament quarterfinals. The Sacramento Kings hosting the New Orleans Pelicans with the winner going to the semifinals in Las Vegas. Big stakes in that game, of course. Current and future implications, but think about the past too. Is this the NBA universe's makeup game for the canceled Kings and Pelicans game the night the NBA shut down in 2020 because of COVID? Jake Madison from the Locked On Pelicans podcast joins me to discuss that, preview this game in full, and give us an idea of how the Kings can even hope to slow down Zion Williamson. It's all right here on Locked On Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of luck on King.
0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks. if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And one of the best things about the Locked On Podcast Network is that. Every single one of your teams has a local host who is tapped in and understands the market, understands the team. And because we're a network, we have the opportunity to come together for podcasts like this. I love these crossover episodes. Jake Madison does an unbelievable job covering uh, covering New Orleans Pelicans basketball. He's done so for a long time here. Basically, I, I think the entirety of, of locked on Pelicans existence in the locked on uh, podcast network. Damn near. Uh, He's unbelievable. Uh, So I had to get him on. We had to come together to preview this game. Of course, the Pelicans have gotten the best of the Sacramento Kings twice already this season. That was on the six game road trip that the Kings just returned from. They went four and two during that road trip. The two losses We're to the Pelicans. So I think New Orleans might have a little bit of swagger coming into this game, but Sacramento's on their home floor. They're coming off of a big win over the Denver Nuggets. It's not the second night of a back-to-back, so the Kings have that on their side. I think this is going to be a really, really fun game, and Jake and I are here to break everything down right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Less than 24 hours away now from the big quarterfinal of the inaugural NBA in-season tournament inside the Golden One Center in Sacramento. It's the Kings hosting the New Orleans Pelicans with the winner moving on to Las Vegas. Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans, Matt George from Locked On Kings ready to preview this game and Jake. Before we get into this, there's already so many narratives around this game with the Vegas season tournament, all that stuff that I just laid out there. But think about this too: go back to March 11th, 2020, right? This was the day that the NBA shut down and it was Kings Pelicans in Mm -hmm. Sacramento, a big game that that we thought was going to have some playoff implications. Is this the NBA universe giving us the makeup for that night that we lost? Oh, I like it. That's a good
1: way to view this sort of thing, right? You know, you've got two, what I love about this is you've got two small market teams, like not NBA blue bloods or anything like this. And at least one of them is going to Vegas for the semi-final here to be one of the final four teams left in this tournament. Gonna to be on kind of like a big stage, right? It feels like a final four, like March Madness, something like that. Exposure that some of these teams might not be getting, I think, and that's what makes this like so fun, right? Like you're, I don't know, worked out perfectly. Perfectly that you're gonna get a small market team versus kind of like a, a blue chip team in the NBA and the Lakers or the Suns here. And the narratives just kind of like drive themselves with all of this, right? It's like yeah. a win for small markets here, like go us kind of thing.
0: Absolutely. But at the same time, you want to be the small market team to get the chance yes. to knock off the Suns or, or the Lakers in the next round. Of course, this being the, the first time ever. this I mean, I think this in-season tournament, Jake, has been a tremendous success so far. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of drama, and that's only going to magnify tenfold. And there was concern going into it. Like, why would the players care? Why should we care? Well, clearly, based off of how the group stage went, these teams care quite a deal. And I think we're going to see that play out even more on Monday. Sunday. You've heard him
1: say it, right? You know, I did the I did a segment on Locked on NBA a week or two ago where Tyrese Halliburton, right, of the Indiana Pacers who are in this too, said like, I want to win this thing. You know, he's never played in a TNT game before. All of these are national TV games too. So it's definitely motivating to the players. The money doesn't hurt, right? It's definitely curbed some load management on random Tuesday nights in November. You know, the ratings are up. The courts, I think, are fun, even if they're a little atrocious. Just All around, I think it's been a success in kind of driving things. I don't know if this is like, I don't know if the group stages were totally for the fans or if that was more done for the teams to just motivate them to play people again on random Tuesdays when you would get a lot of load management. But now that we're at like this spot, just talking to Pelicans fans, I'm curious with you talking to Kings fans too. They, they want to win the whole thing. Like at this point, if you're here, you want to win the whole thing. And I think that definitely the players feel the same way as well.
0: I mean, we're talking about the best athletes in the world, Jake. And ultimately, to be that good, you have to be a super competitor. And and naturally, the tournament taps into that competitive edge and that competitive desire. And now the fans are starting to feel that competitiveness, too. So here you have a a Kings and, and Pelicans matchup. These two teams just played twice in a row. The Pelicans getting the better of the Kings in a beat down the first time. Kings on the second night of a back-to-back, to, but no excuses. The Pelicans beat them down. And then the second night, the Pelicans were the better team for basically the entire night. Kings made a little bit of a run, had a chance to steal one. Had they won that game, Jake, I have no problem saying the Kings would have stolen that one, but the Pelicans ended up shutting the door. So my, I'm curious what the confidence is, not necessarily from the New Orleans Pelicans. I know they're not taking the Kings lightly, but what's the confidence from Pelicans? fans and and yourself in the city of new Orleans right now about the Pelicans have a chance to beat a team that they've already beaten twice very recently to uh to to punch their ticket to Vegas
1: yeah I think I think Pelicans fans feel feel pretty good the team's been playing relatively well too they're starting to get healthy right you're going to see CJ McCollum in this one you're going to see Trey Murphy in this game so more or less they're going to have everyone that kind of matters available and I think that's a real big deal for this team and when we get kind of maybe more into the two games they just played I can highlight some some specific things around that but I do think the confidence is pretty high you're seeing Zion play better than he did at the start of the season Brandon Ingram's rounding into form a little bit three-point shooting has been the big knock on this team but again Trey Murphy and CJ McCollum are two shooters getting them back on this I think changes the dynamic of this game you know the Kings definitely looked like they were on the road New Orleans got a little bit of you know home cooking I think and that just being at home can be a big deal so I wonder how that's going to Change the dynamic of things, you know, for from your perspective of it, do you feel more confident since this is going to be a home game for the Kings as opposed to what just happened in these past two games that the teams just played?
0: See, I think it's less about location and far more about one experience, which I'll get into, which is weird to even suggest that the Kings could have an experience advantage, but we'll get into that in a second. The other thing to me is matchup based, and I think this Pelicans team just has a lot of matchup concerns for Sacramento, the Kings. it seems like that they deal with, they, they have a hard time dealing with length and they have a hard time dealing with physicality. And it seems like the Pelicans have that in abundance. And and when the Kings have a bad matchup, they really struggle against a bad matchup last year. It, it was the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves who were one of the few teams to, I think one of either one or two teams, to, no, it's two teams to beat the Kings three different times. They just struggled in that matchup. It feels like the Pelicans, when healthy, are that kind of matchup against Sacramento
1: that was somewhat of the feeling i got in in the two games in new orleans i'll say this you know when i looked at that first game which was like at one point 40 something points right and they just kind of blew the doors off the kings in the third quarter i thought the kings had some real poor shooting luck in that they had probably like five or six threes that like went in the cylinder and then rounded out and if you make a couple of those it definitely changes the complexion of that game you know and i I, I do agree with the matchup part of it, right? Like Herb Jones is probably one of the few people, as it says on the sidebar here, right? They can kind of slow De'Aaron Fox down, and Fox is a guy that historically has lit up the Pelicans, particularly in New Orleans. So to see that not happen the other night was was really good. You also have you know a go-to scorer off the bench in Malik Monk, who might be one of the best scoring six men in the in the NBA right now. Those kind of concern me, but again, you have Dyson Daniels to handle that sort of thing. So De'Aaron Fox is going to have to go through Herb Jones. Dyson Daniels for all of his minutes which sounds absolutely miserable if you're an opposing point guard I think that's got to be exhausting you know they can match up physically with Sabonis too with Jonas Valanciunas out there I think that can really help them too so when you look at this I, I agree with you that I do think the matchups don't favor the kings but at the same point if new orleans doesn't get some three point shooting the kings got back into that second game through three point shooting they were you know and the pelicans were making twos you were making threes that's a math problem that's plagued the pelicans for a while you know being at home getting a little bit more shooting luck for whatever reason role players playing slightly better i you know i don't know who the fa- who i would call the favorite in this game but that certainly could tip the scales i think and kind of make this look a little bit different from those two games in new orleans earlier
0: See, here's what I love about the in-season tournament, too, as compared to a playoff series, is it, it's a one-off, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's one game and you're in or one game and you're out. It's all game sevens no matter what. And in this case, that might actually work in, in, in favor of the Sacramento Kings, despite the fact they were a playoff team last year. You only have to beat the Pelicans once. You don't have to beat them four times, and it's easier to beat a bad matchup once than it is four times.
1: No, it goes back to, I don't want to, if they win, they win, right? It's not stealing the game. And right now, per FanDuel, the Kings are four-point favorites, Pelicans four-point underdogs here. You know, you're right. That's a really good point. You know, this is not a game that I think that both teams are truly going to go in, like, trying to out-coach out- outclass right? the opponent here, because it's not a playoff series. You might have a couple of adjustments from the two games that they just played since there's some recent film on it. But by and large, both these two teams are gonna go in trying to do what they do best. This is like a regular season game in that regard. You don't always change your game plan from night to night. You know what you do best and you just go out and try and do that and more or less hope you win the game based off all of that. And I wonder if that's gonna be the approach. You know, I think that'll be interesting to talk to the coaches of did your game plan change? What did you do or are you just approaching this as just like any other of the 82 games because it is still technically one of those?
0: Well, I think if they were to say that they're they're lying to us and giving the coach answer, which I understand, and I I know they 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 give the politically correct answer with stuff like that, but you best believe this is more than just a regular season game for everybody yeah. who's participating and the fans as well. Jake, I, I mentioned earlier, I I didn't just say physicality is a major aspect I'm looking at. I, I'm talking about experience, and it's because the Sacramento Kings. Granted, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, but they made the playoffs last year, took the Warriors to seven games. So they have a little bit of like high intensity, meaningful basketball now uh, recently kind of under under their thumb a little bit or they, they have that experience. Do you think that gives Sacramento any kind of advantage in this very unique in season tournament setting? Yeah,
1: look, that experience doesn't hurt you for anything. You know, I don't know if that's going to win anyone a game necessarily, but if this comes down to a clutch situation, right, and the crowd's going nuts, and the Kings have been there before, like that's not going to hurt a thing that they're trying to do. You know, if there there are no games played on Sunday, you know, you're you're, you have a little bit of extra time to kind of look at this one and plan for it. It feels like, and if you're doing that sort of thing, if you've gone through a playoff series, and again, this is in theory game three, right, based off what we've seen played you know three times down the past two weeks having the ability to kind of digest that film knowing the tweaks you need to make kind of making those adjustments integrating those with a team that's done it before i think can definitely gives you a little bit of an advantage
0: so here's the major king's perspective question that i i have for you that i'd love to get your answer on before we pass it over to the pelicans perspective for the king's game plan do you think it should be about stopping or limiting zion or stopping and limiting everybody else?
1: I'm curious what your answer is to that, but I put it this way. If it's me, it's uh, no matter what, if I'm an opposing coach, it's always trying to stop Zion Williamson and live if everybody else beats you. This is a guy that this season is shooting 72% at the rim, right? Like that's the equivalent of like a 47% shooter from three. If you're playing it based on pure numbers, pure numbers, you should try and take away Zion Williamson because is the rest of the team gonna shoot 50% from three? If they do that and you lose, you like shrug your shoulders and are like, okay, whatever, right? So yeah, stop Zion
0: well and in most circumstances i would completely agree with you except for the fact that i don't know if the kings have anybody that really can do what is being asked to stop zion yeah. i mean the best big body that they have is not available in uh, alex len he's out with an injury so sure sure demondis sabonis can can bang down there but i like zion in that matchup i like zion in basically any matchup that the sacramento kings throw at him uh, even with keegan murray back and healthy i don't know how much keegan's going to be able to do plus uh, with like with weapons like McCollum and and of course, Brandon Ingram, who had one of his best games of the season against Sacramento a a couple of weeks ago. If you let Zion kind of do his thing and and Zion could definitely do his thing, but you don't let Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and the rest of the guys beat you. I think the Kings offense is good enough to outscore that.
1: Let's talk about that more coming up here next in, in the crossover episode of locked on Pelicans, locked on Kings.
0: Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Sackyard Community Tap House. If you're looking for a place to watch Monday night's game, and of course, if the Kings win and go to Las Vegas, and you're not going with them, if you're looking for a, a place to watch those massive games as well, you can check out Sackyard Community Tap House. It's a, an incredible place to go and watch games, an incredible place just to go with your friends and get a drink after a night. Bring your family, including your your furry friends. Dogs are more than welcome there. It's a great environment for your kids. They have an outdoor patio, which is great all season long. They have fire pits during the winter, misters during the summer, a little lawn area uh, where they have all sorts of games like cornhole and, and a giant connect four. I mean, there's just so many fun things to do at Sackyard. In addition to getting those uh, drinks that you uh, enjoy, they have amazing beers uh, on on tap for you. Plus some of the greatest local wines that you could possibly find Sackyard is They have community in their name for a reason because they're deeply ingrained in this Kings community. Had the opportunity to host a uh, a Locked on Kings watch party for the first time a a couple of weeks ago, around a month ago. It was a complete success. We're going to do more live events there, including a live podcast that is coming very soon. So keep an eye and ear out for those details. But check out Sackyard. Go there to watch Kings games or just to get a drink. Sackyard Community Tap House, your home of the Locked on Kings podcast listener.
1: And thank you for making this crossover episode of Locked On Pelicans, Locked On Kings, your first listen today and every day. Subscribe or on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, become an everydayer, whether you're a Pelicans fan or a Kings fan of our shows right here. I'm Jake Madison of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. He's Matt George of Locked On Kings. So you, you were just asking me before we we jump to this of like, what do you do when it comes to Zion? And talking about how the Kings probably don't have anyone that can kind of limit him. And I think that's actually a really interesting aspect of it, right? You know, it's, it's kind of a guard-driven league, I think, in the NBA or a wing-driven league, right? Is Zion going to go out and score 60 points? You know, uh, it's, Damian Lillard could do something like that, right? Steph Curry could do something like that. I don't remember Zion's career high, but I think it's in the 40s. You know, if he's not scoring if he's scoring 60 and no one else is doing anything. Yeah, the Kings are going to probably win this game because that offense is so good, right? Like this is kind of like a race to 120, 125, it feels right. like it could be something like that. And if you're just letting Zion get his and not fouling him too, I wonder how much damage this team's going to be able to do. Like And you make a good point of like, can they even slow down Zion? And, you know, that was one of the tweaks that I saw the the Kings make in the uh, between the first game and the second game in New Orleans. You know, Zion went off in that first game. And then you had Mike Brown say like, we were trying to double him and we couldn't. And they tried to double him more in the second game. And it did slow him down a little bit more with everything. And... So, if they're not able to do that, then I wonder if it's like, yeah, just clamp down on shooters because the way the Kings got back in that second game was with three point shooting. New Orleans just isn't a good three point shooting team. They don't take a lot of threes. They're a little bit healthier now with CJ McCollum, with Trey Murphy. That's going to add, you know, eight minimum attempts per game, which I think is gonna be big, but if New Orleans isn't knocking those down, the Kings can get back in it. If Malik Monk gets hot right there, and Fox was hitting threes in some of those games, who, there are a couple of other guys. Trey Lyles was hitting threes, right? It was like those kind of guys. Harrison Barnes was going off in that one too. You have Kevin Herter who can catch up. That worries me, right? Like the math problem starts to worry me with the Pelicans here, because they're gonna be able to create space for Zion. If you do try and double team him, if you do try and wall him off, what they did in that first game was basically just run dribble handoffs with Jonas Valanciunas for Zion, get him going downhill with a ton of space, and like no one can stop him at that point. So let him score and then clamp down on everyone else because if Zion's not going to score 60, 70 points when no one else is doing anything, I wonder how much that could kind of limit this team. The problem I think with that is also like CJ's good you know, Brandon Ingram can live in that mid-range spot and, you know, attack the basket too. And if Zion's drawing two, three guys, they have enough enough offense to be able to, I think, make up for all of that. So maybe it is better. I don't know. That's an interesting like concept to, to really think about. Do you want to clamp down on Brandon Ingram, on CJ, on Trey, Jordan Hawkins, even Herb Jones does well off ball, or are they going to then run the offense through Jonas Valanciunas, see if you can get Sabonis in foul trouble or something like that too?
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. That's where if it was a playoff series, I think we'd see them yeah. trying different things versus a one-off. It's almost flip a coin, pick your poison, pick your game plan, and stick with it. And I, as of right now, I mean, of course, there are much smarter basketball people in that organization than I am. Thank God they're running it and not me. But just based off what we saw in those first two Kings-Pelicans games, plus what I know of the Kings roster and personnel, I just don't see an, uh, an approach where limiting zion is the best road to success for sacramento now at the same time the kings are trying as much as they possibly can to improve on the defensive end and they've made slight improvement i think a lot of this game is going to come down to two two aspects one is effort uh, and the other is is second unit and effort and what i mean by that is just the the willingness to make those extra plays and and can the kings come up with the defensive stops that allow them to get out and transition. One of the best ways to beat a team as physical as I believe the Pelicans to be is don't let them get set, right? Run them, push mm-hmm. them, try and tire them out. So if Sacramento can get out in transition where they're, they're at their best, uh, that's going to be a big deal for them. Of course, to start transition, you typically need to do that off of misses and defensive rebounds or steals and, and takeaways. Not uh, The Kings can inbound the ball quickly after a made basket, but I wouldn't try and rely on that for a 48-minute game against New Orleans, number one. And the number two is like the second unit I think it's so essential for the Sacramento Kings. This is where Malik Monk sh- shines. He could be a starter almost anywhere else in the league, but the Kings choose to bring him off the bench, and we've seen how how capable he has been. Uh, but that, that second unit might be a big difference maker where the Kings need to, absolutely need to, regardless of their approach to Zion, when he's off the floor, Sacramento's got to win those minutes, and a lot of that falls on that second unit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's going to be a a big part for them. And I wonder how New Orleans with their three stars back is going to try and run a rotation of those guys. You know, are you going to let Zion Williamson lead a second unit? Are you going to let Brandon Ingram do it? Are you going to let Brandon and CJ do it? And I think if you could do that, it can kind of balance out Malik Monk a little bit. You know, you're not technically getting bench points from New Orleans if it's Brandon Ingram, but if Brandon Ingram and like four guys, that's essentially a bench lineup, right? And that kind of limits the minutes that... Malik Monk could win off the bench and for that's the what Sacramento Kings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what starter. everyone does. Yeah, yeah of course. Right. You know, like that's. I, I always laugh when when listeners are like, "What? What's the five man second unit going to be?" And it's like, no, it's a rotation. That's why we call it that. Right. So I wonder if they're going to try and kind of counterbalance that a little bit too. But Monk's one of the better scorers in the league right now. It feels like, particularly off the bench, and he can go and get his. And if they run him and say De'Aaron Fox at the same time, like. That can put New Orleans in a little bit of trouble because if you're focused on De'Aaron Fox and putting Herb Jones there, okay, who's guarding Malik Monk right then? You know, Are you running Dyson Daniels out there then too, who's their other kind of backcourt wing stopper and that might not be the best thing to do there if you need to save him for those other minutes or Herb Jones has been getting in foul trouble in the first half these past couple of games. That could be a big X factor in this if he's on the bench, right? De'Aaron Fox is allowed to go do his thing and you can't play him as physical because you certainly can't put a guy like Jose Alvarado on him like that's not going to work whatsoever. So that's I think where some of these matchups get like really interesting with things and how they're using a weapon like Monk off the bench with the starters but also with that second unit as well and kind of leading some of those bench lineups.
0: I'm curious from the the New Orleans perspective, we already talked about kind of the confidence that the Pelicans have, and rightfully so. They've earned it with two victories over the Kings, plus with how well they're playing right now, regardless of it being a road game or not. But what about the... Fear isn't necessarily the right word, and the answer could be as simple as it's just De'Aaron Fox. But, like, what is it about the Sacramento Kings that you think gives gives, uh, New Orleans a little bit of a pause?
1: Yeah, it's Fox, right? Like, he's... You could argue he's the best player on the court in this one. You know, I think it's close probably between him and Zion in terms of like pure talent and stuff like that. You know, and given that he's kind of like a noted Pelicans killer, like he's gone off against this team a couple of times, even when they had Drew Holiday, right? Like he's done this for a couple of years now that concerns me. If he goes out and gets you 50 points, 40 points, which he's capable of doing, when it gets into an offensive shootout between these two teams, I think the Kings offense, I think the Pelicans offense might be better at the end of the season, but right now I think the Kings offense is better. And if you start to get into that kind of running gun shootout situation, if New Orleans isn't hitting threes, because they haven't been a great three point shooting team where they're trading twos for threes, you lose that. And then you lose the game because of it. So with Fox leading that point of attack, like that definitely makes me worry when it comes to this team and I think that's a big reason why they're favored per fan duel.
0: well that's why that's where I think Fox playing against Steph Curry and that playoff experience that they got against the Warriors could be a big difference maker because in that game seven Steph Curry had to score 50 points and put the team on his back to get him there so Fox has been playing at an MVP caliber level and scoring at an MVP caliber level so far this season maybe that's what it takes in a one-off game like this to 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 get the Kings over the hump. And if they need that side of De'Aaron, he's shown now consistently this season that he's able to to provide that. And that might be fourth quarter, close game. I mean, we we know Fox is coming off of a Clutch Player of the Year award, but it may mm-hmm. even go beyond that. De'Aaron, you got to get us there. Even with all the talent that we have, Fox, you have to close this one out.
1: Yeah, that's, that's kind of what worries me, I think, the, the most here. And, you know, if Herb is in foul trouble, that kind of changes the, di- the dynamic of this a little bit. You know, I think I think the three-point shooting for the Pelicans will be better. And that's like the other big concern for me in this one is that they can't keep up with the three-point shooting. But with Trey Murphy back, he went four of 10 in his season debut the other night. CJ's back. We know what he's capable of doing. That's going to space the court a little bit better for Zion. I expect a pretty efficient game from him in this one. Other other part is, and I'm curious what you think about this, is Jonas Valanciunas, who's played well, who's a big physical bruising center you know what kind of role do you see him doing against the kings potentially in this one
0: two centers that know each other very well as international teammates and Sabonis uh, and Valanciunas look like if if they can even each other out that works in the favor of Valanciunas and the New Orleans Pelicans right definitely how how dynamic DeMondis Sabonis is now Sabonis has been I mean I, I I say this and and it sometimes gets lost in transition uh, translation a little bit. De'Aaron Fox is absolutely the best player on this Kings team, but I would argue that at least last season with how historic the Kings offense was, Sabonis was the most important aspect to that because so much runs through him. If the Kings are allowed to play fluidly through Sabonis and teams don't try to take that away or I don't know if you can completely take that away from Sabonis but you kind of have to disrupt and that's where I think okay a a player like Valanchunas can disrupt the Sabonis on the offensive end and the defensively play with enough physicality that maybe gets Sabonis in foul trouble so the expectation I think from the Kings perspective Jake should be yes Sabonis is the better center he needs to play like the better center in a meaningful game like this but if I'm the Pelicans I go into this game feeling good that I have a center that both on paper and eye test is capable of playing at the same level of Sabonis on a one night. And yeah. that's how you win a basketball game is is evening things out with an all NBA center.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's kind of how how I view it too. Like if they can play to a draw, if you look at those minutes between those two is even, like I think that's a huge win for the Pelicans in this one, giving kind of the the remaining level of talent on the, on the rosters with everything. You want to talk more about the Kings coming up here next in let's, the crossover episode? Let's do let's, it.
0: We'll talk about the Kings and we'll put a bow on this. We'll talk about, you said the Kings are four point favorites. We'll talk about if that should really be the case. And our final predictions, we'll hit that here in just a second. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Jace Medical. Now, I know we come to sports to escape the crazy realities of life, but let's talk about preparing for real life for a second. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst Flu season in over a decade. This is actually a scary deal. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than uh, my son Arthur or my my wife running into uh, some really really tough uh, flu I- uh, illnesses that they're dealing with, and and having supply chain issues that that keep them from getting uh, the the medication that they need to to get better and to take care of them. Thankfully, we're going to be okay though because we have Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different. Antibiotics that treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, uh, respiratory infections, sinuses, uh, skin infections, amongst other things. This stuff could happen to any of us. It's common. Visit JaceMedical.com. complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It puts everything in your hands at home so you don't have to worry about going to urgent care or the hospital or anything like that. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jasemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are heating up here on FanDuel right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Pick the team. Put $5 down. That's all you have to invest. When they win, here's $150 for you to make some real money and have some real fun on FanDuel betting on things like spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Get involved in the betting of this in-season tournament. Like Jake and I have mentioned, the Kings are four-point favorites uh, against the Pelicans on Monday. If you want to take that bet, you absolutely can on FanDuel. Of course, uh, you can bet on who wins the NBA in-season tournament. The Kings have pretty good odds to do that right now, too. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, now is the perfect time to get in on the action. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's get our final thoughts out there before the Kings and the Pelicans meet for real on Monday evening inside the Golden One Center with the winner going on to Las Vegas. First and foremost, Jake, you going to Vegas if, if the Pelicans are going?
1: Oh, man, if I go to Vegas, I'm going to end up actually at the game. or going to be at a craps table the whole time. We'll see. This might be a <laughs> game time decision here. I kind of want to, though, now.
0: I feel like you maybe fans will disagree with this now before these teams have played but with the small markets like we mentioned earlier too i feel like it's only right that especially with the winner playing either the lakers or the suns like we have to root for the other right oh yeah absolutely
1: that goes without saying here like absolutely that like pelicans fans should be rooting for the kings kings fans should be rooting for the pelicans after this like without a doubt
0: all right, so let's talk about uh, kind of a, a couple Kings perspective things uh, to this game. You brought up the shooting earlier and that's what's such a coin flip with the Sacramento Kings sometimes Jake is is this a team this is a team that's not afraid to put 40 to 45 threes up no. in a game. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is like a, a game like uh, last night for example, the Kings coming off of a win over the Denver Nuggets when the Kings are shooting their highest three point percentage, they're typically doing it with their fewest three point attempts, like they only shot like 36 or something like that. Three point attempts last night shot 47% from three point range. They're a pretty streaky three point shooter. And believe it or not, what makes a major impact on their shooting is, is their paint scoring and their paint touches. That's a pillar of Mike Brown's offense, is getting to the paint. Typically, it's a De'Aaron Fox or Malik Monk that's getting to the paint, drawing the defense in, and trying to find one of those Keegan Murray, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, whoever it is, shooters on the perimeter uh, to really make you pay. Ultimately, the Kings still have to hit their shots, but – that's where I wonder if the Pelicans feel confident at their ability to to pack the paint, because that's what they did really well in both games in New mm-hmm. Orleans is they made like they made it a mud pit for Fox or anybody who's trying to work their way inside.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what they do defensively, right? Like what, what they really try and do is, you know, they switch on the perimeter and they want to try and deny you getting into the paint first and foremost, but they're willing to just completely collapse and then have to try and close out hard on open shooters if the ball gets kicked out. And I think they've been they've been done this for the past couple of seasons. And I think part of the reason they do that is they just want like the wrong shooters to take those open shots and hope you miss. So if the guys can be streaky, right, like that kind of I think is New Orleans looking at it and being like, OK, we'll live with that. And then if, you know, Trey Lyles hits seven threes in a game you shrug your shoulders and you're like okay there's nothing you can do if Trey Lyles is going to win the game for them in that sort of fashion so I think trying to make it as kind of like yucky as possible right probably is how you slow down a guy like De'Aaron Fox from breaking down that defense from being able to kind of turn you know long rotations on closeouts things like that and being able to swing the ball around and find an open shot.
0: I feel like there's always unsung heroes in big games like this, Jake. So I'm really curious your answer to this question. And I have a King's answer as well. But I mean, we know the Foxes, the Zions, the Demontis Sabonis, the Brandon Ingram. Like we know the marquee pieces on this team and we expect them all to have big games on a big stage. But if there's a Pelican, that's like a, a secret weapon or like a Pelican that you would say when the game's over and you look at the box score or it's like Kings fans, don't be surprised if this guy beat you, had a good night against you. Who would that Pelican be?
1: I got like three, which I guess is like a good problem to have here. One could be Valanchunas, who's kind of carried the team through the past week or so. Like you can go out and score 30 as a bruising big man down low. If he gives you 30 and like 12, it wouldn't shock me if they're limiting Zion, if they're limiting Brandon Ingram. The other two are going to be the shooters, right? It's going to be rookie Jordan Hawkins. He's been lights out pretty much for a rookie. He's fearless. If they run plays for him and let him rip a bunch of shots, right? Don't be shocked if he makes seven threes, eight threes, something like that. Same for Trey Murphy coming back from injury. Is he on the scouting report yet? Since he hasn't really played at all this year, but he's a sharp shooter, right? Who also attacks closeouts really well and can go and dunk, being in the dunk contest last year. So it would not shock me if like one of those guys just pops off on this game, whether it's made threes or Jonas Valanciunas bruising down low. Who who do you have for the Kings?
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny because I think we're kind of on the same wavelength. Like, we already talked about Malik Monk a little bit, and he mm-hmm. has emerged just as much of a fourth-quarter threat as De'Aaron Fox has, and typically they're on the floor at the same time. I asked yeah, Monk about this after, after last night's game, and Monk said, like, they can't stop both of us. So mm-hmm. you have to worry about Fox doing what he does in the fourth quarter, or if Monk is on, good luck because you're so focused on Fox that Monk is going to get the space that he needs. But also, uh, like, I, I'll insert Kevin Herter into the conversation because he has – he's gone through it already in this short season. He shot horribly in the playoffs and that lingered into the start of this season to where there were questions about if he was going to lose his starting job to Chris Duarte. And he's worked his way through and not only is he getting back to his his strong shooting, which Kevin Herter, you, you'll see in the first quarter a lot. The Kings tried to establish their offense and get Kevin Herter going early. So don't be surprised, Pelicans fans, at all if you see uh, the Kings trying to run Kevin Herter off of a lot of DeMondis Sabonis DHOs and, and get him going early. But Kevin has improved significantly as an on-ball defender and he's improved as a rebounder. Mike is trying to get everybody on this roster, not just the main guys, to to be all hands on deck and give their all in more than just their primary skill. So if the Kings and their scores can have impact in other ways, not just putting points on the board. That's where I feel like you could look at a Kevin Herter stat line and a Pelican's loss and go, oh, man, not only did Herter have 16 points, he also grabbed six rebounds and dished out two assists and played halfway played halfway decent defense. That's been a recipe for Sacramento's success this year. <laughs>
1: i mean look they're 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 what what, the best defensive rebounding team i think in the league right now And new orleans no you know knows they like to go after offensive boards right zion has an incredible second jump you valanciunas who's a big body down low but if they're attacking the offensive glass against a good defensive rebounding team that might create some of those transition opportunities too if they're committing guys instead of getting back on d that can let Sacramento get out and run in the way that they want to do so that's going to be an interesting battle there too so if you have guys not only going for those defensive rebounds and securing those it's taking away a potential advantage for the Pelicans in this one
0: all right, let's put a bow on this with uh, with a little bit of uh, predictions. Like you said, FanDuel has the Sacramento Kings as four-point favorites. I think they're leaning into the home court advantage and probably the experience a little bit uh, with that nod. I would expect the Kings to be favorites. Four points might even be too much, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be a close game. But before we get into what we think is going to happen, really quick, Jake, if it's a offensive game or a defensive game, like a low-scoring game or high-scoring game, what favors the Pelicans more?
1: Oh, it depends on how they're getting some of those points. Yeah. I'd, say, I'd say against the Kings. Against the Kings, de- defensive is probably what the Pelicans want. You know, the Kings offense is very good, right? Like it's it's a race. And I don't know if I want to race this team necessarily. I believe in the Pelicans offense, but at times it just doesn't really click and they're just kind of off. So if it's an offensive game, I think that definitely favors the Kings in this one.
0: I agree with you. I'm glad you said that. The Kings have been trying to improve defensively and have won some games and stayed in some games when their offense has been bad because of their improved defense. That being said, offense is their bread and butter, and if they can get involved in a shootout and they're hitting, it's hard for any team to beat them, even yeah. defending champions like we just saw with the, new, uh, the, uh, the, the Denver Nuggets. So really quick, I think both of us are choosing our team, and rightfully <laughs> yeah. so, but we're on the same page, right? We think this is going to be a pretty close game.
1: Yeah, I think so. This should be fun. You know, if if New Orleans can hit their threes and take enough of them, I feel pretty good about their their ability to win this game. But this isn't going to be easy, I think, for either team. And like, I don't know, it's just like, it's going to be fun. Like, I'm just genuinely excited as a basketball fan for this one.
0: I hope fans are picking up on that from listening to this podcast, too, because I'm right there with you. There's no there's no bad blood. It's just competitive fire. It's the first time ever that we're seeing this. Let's see how it plays out. Let's see the drama. These are two up and coming and exciting teams that both have deep playoff uh, aspirations. Uh, And this is a little preview for them to play a meaningful game. December 4th. It's pretty freaking cool.
1: This is awesome. I'm so excited
0: well that's jake madison check him out on the locked on pelicans podcast for all of of course of your pelicans coverage pelicans fans you already know uh he's your main guy for all pelicans talk all year long and even during the off season as well if you're ever interested in the locked on kings side of things and what's happened on in sacramento come on over here to the locked on kings podcast we have to try to have some fun over here hey may the best team win jake it's going to be a lot of fun and maybe we'll uh, we'll get together and break it down afterwards and see how everything goes
1: yeah we might need to do a bonus show especially if we get like a barn burner one that could be a lot of fun so i'm excited i everyone check out matt he's awesome been a longtime host here alongside me on the locked on podcast network your team every day i don't know i'm excited we'll see how this one goes tonight
0: let's get to it